Reformed Church. Obviously, when we first started, it was Harvest Family Church, and then um, just maybe a couple years before we changed our name to Reformed Church, it was Harvest Church. Um, but, um, but the reason why I say technically is because we weren't teaching what we're teaching now when we started the church, so it's, it's for all intents and purposes, it's really not the same church. Um, it, you know, uh, the, 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 the goal that we have here at this church now is not the goal we started with. The message we have right now is not the message we started with. Um, we, if, if you had come to our church, you know, 17 years ago, you, you wouldn't be hearing this, and it would be, basically, it would pretty much sound like any other church for the most part. Um, the, um, the thing I also want to point out to you that I, I don't know that a lot of people realize is that we have the size church we have right now, I mean, as far as the people sitting here, um, you know, because it is a packed house tonight. We got an innumerable company of angels and God, the judge of all, and Jesus, whose blood, you know, is shed for us, better, speaks better, better than Abel. It's, it's packed tonight, but the reason why we have the amount of people we have right now is actually out of a choice that we made. Um, one of those things is, is the message. Obviously, that would, that would be, you know, a, the biggest reason, hopefully, I say that, but I would hope it's the biggest reason why people choose to go to a church or not go to a church is based on the message. Um, that really isn't actually the case all the time, but the message is one reason, but another reason is events. Believe it or not, um, the reason why I say I would hope that the message is the biggest reason why people would choose a church um, or not choose a church is because a lot, for a lot of people, I mean a lot of people, you'd be surprised, will choose to come to church or not based on events. And the size church we have right now, like we could have a bigger church within a few months. Uh, uh, we chose... Uh, not that we chose to have the amount of people we have right now, but there was a choice we made that did this, and Pastor Jose and Miss Kim chose to stick with this and not go back to having a bigger church. And the reason that choice was a choice to focus on the Word of God and to fulfill their calling as pastors over this church. Um, and their calling is not socialization. Their calling is the Word of God. Now, don't get me wrong. There, there's nothing wrong with socializing. In fact, we encourage socializing amongst, amongst believers because um, we, we need friends and people around us that are actually going to encourage us in the Lord and not pick the wrong friends that are going to kind of drag, drag our minds away from it. Socialization is an awesome thing, but it's simply not the calling of a pastor. Okay? It, it, try to go through all of the Bible and find anywhere in the Bible where it defines a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, a prophet, um, you know, a pastor, uh, their job as having anything to do with hosting events. Think about this. Even the apostles in the book of Acts didn't even want to be um, sort of uh, specifically involved, directly involved with the feeding of the poor. Um, they fed the poor personally, but as far as the ministry was concerned, they, they hired other people to do that who were called to that, and they said so that we can give ourselves to the word of God and to prayer. And you know what? We don't have the team right now or the people that are, like, we don't have leaders enough in the church to be able to run events, people that are specifically called to that. And if you're like, oh, no, I'll do that. I'll host an event. No, you're probably not the one. We will, you know, decide when that time comes, you know, and we will specifically ask someone that we know has been proven over a very, very many years. And the person that we choose to run an event will be people that would be here even if there weren't events, right, that don't prioritize that. But... It is that choice to focus on the Word of God that actually a lot of people left. That, that was very quick, actually. We, I don't know if it was like we cut the church size in half just by starting, stopping to do events, but um, if you see pictures, we have pictures from years ago, and um, I'm taking up a lot of time with this, and I have kind of a longer message tonight. We're going to see how this goes. But if you look at pictures from years ago from this church, this place is packed. And we actually had this the other way around, which actually accommodated more chairs, it was packed. Um, we were thinking about going to two services at the time. Our children's ministry, tons of kids. Um, and uh, so we, we made a choice to focus on the Word of God, and, like, and that cut our, our congregation size. And, and so you, you see right there, you, you define your crowd by what you offer people, right? And when you say, you know what, we're standing for the Word of God. This is a place that we don't mind socialization. Um, and as the church grows, and Pastor Jose and Miss Kim and leaders at the church don't have to focus on the events or run them, when we have someone that we appoint to do that, that we trust, um, that prioritizes the Word of God, 
There will be events at this church, trust me, as this church grows. But even when we do events, um, Pastors Aiden and Ms. Kim have made it very clear that that will never be our focus, and that will not be how we draw people also. Even when we've done events in the past, um, in, in the more recent past, we won't advertise it. Because if you come, good, even for the kids. Sometimes Ms. Kim will, ha will have done special things with the kids, but she won't tell anybody. Because she doesn't want anyone coming for the events. Because you know what? This is a congregation of people that are interested in the Word of God. Anyone is welcome in here, but we want to define our crowd. We don't want to attract the wrong kind of crowd that's only here uh, for an event because you're not here to do what everyone else is here to do. You're not actually adding to the fellowship of believers here then. You're just here to get a freebie or to get free food or to get a free event and leave. We don't want to attract those kind of people. They're welcome here if they want to hear the word of God, but we always want to format things in a way that defines our crowd so that the right crowd is coming in who's interested in the Word of God. And again, I would challenge you to look through all of the Bible and find anywhere where the calling of a pastor is anything but to preach the knowledge of the Son of God so we can all come to that, that knowledge um, to a perfect man, that we'd be unified in the faith. Um, you're not going to find socialization. Again, even the, the apostles didn't even want to be directly involved with the feeding of the poor in the ministry because they wanted to focus on the Word of God in prayer. It's just... And that's feeding the poor, let alone a social event that we want. The number one question that we get for people that call the church inquiring is what kind of um, groups we offer. That's a, that's a shame. That really is a shame. Because uh, we say the message is the top priority, the gospel is the top priority, and that's not in a lot of people's hearts. But you know what, though? We're going to grow, but we're going to grow right, though. We're not going to grow just to fill seats. We're going to grow with attracting the right crowd. And there are people out there, maybe not in the direct vicinity around Liberty, New York right now. Um, otherwise, there'd be more people here, but we will grow. We will grow the right way. And I remember, and I'll stop with this, I remember Pastor Jose saying at a particular leadership meeting years and years ago, when we noticed the events stopped, they, they kind of d were dwindling off, sort of naturally. The focus was really getting on all the new things we were learning, and it was starting to pick up a little bit. And I remember Pastor Jose said, I don't care if we ever do another event again. We're focused on the Word of God. I remember him... We were right up there in that room, little room we used to have uh, meetings up there um, with our leaders. And I remember him saying that, and that has been the focus. And you know, even when we have an event, the focus is still going to be the Word of God, and we're going to advertise our message to people to get them in the door. We're not going to advertise, you know, the free stuff or any of that, all the stuff that is okay. Um, the way that you should term it is this. Sometimes people say, the teaching is good, but where's the socialization? I want the socialization. The way you should term it is, the socialization is good, but I want the teaching. That's the priority. That's the way it should be in our minds. But you know what, though? That's why you guys are here tonight. And uh, like I said, you got you guys here. We've got an innumerable company of angels who also need to hear because they they're not all knowing. They learn from us, believe that or not. Um, when we preach, we make known the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, to even principalities and powers, and, and they, they, they learn stuff that they didn't know before. So... Um, we have a purpose. We have a purpose on this earth. And we're going to teach the knowledge of Jesus until he comes back. I, I, I guarantee you that. So uh, we don't want to waver from that. And so we appreciate everyone that comes to this church because we know why you're here, right? Because we're not offering a whole lot more. So uh, like I said, we've defined our crowd. Um, and, you know, I, I respect Pastor and Miss Kim for that. I want to just share that also while they're out because it, 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 just to see them in that light that we have the crowd because of a choice that they made. We, they could have a bigger church right now and just, just to give you a little behind the scenes, they could be making more money right now with the church as well. Very easily, very easily. Offer an event, get more people, the mortgage is, boom, just paid for like that. They'd rather pay the mortgage partially themselves, like a third of the mortgage themselves, with Pastor Jose's own paycheck, than to attract the wrong people and not focus on the Word of God. I'm just saying it, it's, it's uh, they wouldn't count that as a sacrifice because I know that the Lord is just so good and has bless them and prosper them and stuff and so in this church. But um, I just want you to know that because it's a very respectable thing for someone to say, you know what, I could be making more money, I could have a bigger church, I could be doing all these things and sacrifice really my calling to some degree, or I could focus on the word of God and whoever comes, comes, but I'm not going to be shaken off of just the message of the gospel. So it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. Very, very cool thing. I, I respect them a lot for that. Um, all right. So... I'm going to, because we took a lot of time already, I'm going to continue where we were talking last time with the We the Temple series. 
And tonight, specifically, is going to be um, involved. Okay, that's, that's the word I'll use. It's, it's going to be something, we're going to go a few layers deep here. It's going to be pretty necessary that you've heard, at the very least, the last message um, of this series. Also, I would recommend in the future listening to the Chase Me series. Right now, that's, it, it's sort of under construction right now on the website, so uh, it's not available just right now, but that will be posted soon. And so I would encourage you to listen to that series as well because it basically takes tonight's message and uh, last time's message and just sort of expands that into a series. But, so it's going to be involved today. And um, uh, I just want to tell you, too, don't, don't, um, if you don't understand everything as you're gathering stuff, of course, you can listen to it again, but just let the Lord take you step by step. I have sometimes wasted so much time pouring and pouring over certain, certain truths that I don't understand rather than just listening to whatever the Lord is speaking to me. If you don't understand everything, that's fine. Keep learning from the Lord. Stay with us because then, you know, you may visit this message later on and it may just be, feel simpler to you. But I just pray the Lord help me also in explaining this to make it as, as clear as possible um, because, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it, it does get involved. I don't want to, like, intimidate you now before the message. Um, of course, it's, we're teaching the gospel. But, um, but it's just, you know, it's a few layers deep tonight. So, very quickly, I just want to um, remind you that last time we were talking about the, the side posts, right? The side posts of the temple. There's, there's two sets of side posts. There's um, this room here, and then, uh, which is uh, here. The, that, that is the door to the conversation place, which is the head of the temple. And then there are side posts also on the outside here and here behind this pillar here. And uh, those side posts, we were saying, are the breasts of the temple. And the word breast or milk in the Bible um, is a symbol of um, purity, at least in this context. Depending on the context, it can mean different things. But uh, if you check our glossary for more, you can, you can see, look at the word uh, milk or breast, and, and you'll see the, the, the verses that substantiate that, all right? We're all about substantiating things with Scripture. So anyway, these uh, posts here, um, basically, to sum up last week's, or, or, yeah, uh, last week's message, um, the doors represent righteousness, purity. What we were saying is that you have on the inside of you grace, the life of God, which is that showbread, because bread means life in the Bible. You've got the life of God, and you've got, see these candlesticks here, which represent the truth. We've been through this all in the, in the, in the past messages of this series, okay, to substantiate that. So you've got this grace, this, this life here, and you've got this truth. So we've got grace and truth on the inside of us, right? Uh, grace and truth is sort of a, a way you can divide up the inheritance that Jesus provided. So you've got the full inheritance in our belly, this gold-lined belly. Grace and truth are here. But what we were saying last time is that the way we receive from God, um, or rather the way that we're qualified to receive from God is through righteousness. Righteousness, the fact that we're righteous through Jesus, is, um, it, it, it's a unique part of the inheritance. It's a unique part of what Jesus provided. Because it's not just something he provided. It's something through which everything else that he provided flows through. That righteousness is our qualification to receive everything from God. So, so for instance, if you want to receive healing, healing is able to flow through you because you're righteous. Okay, Righteousness is the qualification. The same way that sin is the qualification for death, righteousness is the qualification for life. The, 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 the uh, um, grace and truth that we have on the inside of us we're able to receive truth to our mind. We're able to receive grace and life to our bodies or, or uh, spread that through creation or to other people's bodies. We're able to do that because we're righteous. All right? If we were still sinners, we wouldn't be able to access these things. But it's because we're righteous. As I said before, sin is the qualification for death. Righteousness is the qualification for life. And that's why these doors we established last time, that these, these doors here, there's one there and then there's one kind of here, um, they represent righteousness. And you'll notice that the candlesticks are said in the Bible to shine before the oracle or shine before the head of the temple here. But you'll notice in order for these candlesticks to shine toward, symbolically, shine toward this room here, that light has to go through a door. And again, this is all substantiated that basically the way we receive the truth, the candlesticks from on the inside of us, is through righteousness. The way that the Bible says in Romans 4 that Abraham... The, pro the promise of God. Abraham received the promise of God through the righteousness of faith. Through the righteousness of faith. The Bible calls righteousness the door through which we receive. Why would righteousness be called a door? Because as I said before, it's the qualification to receive everything else. 
That's why a door is a good symbol for this, because if you want to see, receive truth, you can receive it, but you have to have righteousness to receive it, and thank God we do. Therefore, you are a good candidate for God to speak his truth to your mind. Likewise, if you want to receive life to your body, I'll, I'll sort of give you an aerial view so you can see that here's a door here and here's a door here. You want to receive life to your body, it needs to flow out of this door here, and it can because this door represents righteousness, and it can spring out like a fountain from your belly on that porch there because you're righteous. And likewise, the truth to your mind, it, you can see the doors are there to represent sort of the conduit through which we receive. Um, so anyway, with all that said, let me read you a verse um, about righteousness. Uh, Matthew 5.20. I mentioned this last week, but I didn't um, specifically read it, so we're going to read this tonight. Matthew 5.20. Before we even get there, while they're pulling that up, I want to explain to you also that this is applicable to a saved person or an unsaved person. If, if a saved person, excuse me, if an unsaved person wants to receive the things of the kingdom of God, they have to be made righteous first. You got to be made righteous first. Now, it kind of happens, obviously, all at one time. When, when someone is unsaved and, you know, they believe in Jesus, you know, they're made righteous and given the life of God, kind of, you know, all, all in one package. But the point is, the Bible says that those whom he justified, in other words, made righteous, them he also glorified. That means that what has to precede the glory of God is the righteousness of God, right? It's again, it's a qualification. That's why you need to be justified first, right? But if you're not saved, you receive righteousness, which qualifies you for the life of God to indwell you, right? So, so it's still, righteousness is still required to be glorified, but you're receiving it from the outside in. You get righteousness, and you're glorified. Uh, for a believer, though, you already have all of the glory of God on the inside of you, the kingdom of God on the inside of you, and uh, you already have the righteousness of God on the inside of you as well. So you're not getting righteous so that you can get the glory of God. You are righteous and have the glory of God, and now the glory of God is able to flow through you because of righteousness. It's able to flow out of you through righteousness, right? And so Matthew 5.20 talks about this and says, uh, he's, uh, Jesus says unto them that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So you see, you need righteousness to get into the kingdom, right? He's talking sort of from that unsaved person's perspective, right? You need to get righteousness before you can enter the kingdom of heaven. For us, the Bible says the kingdom of God is within us. So the only thing that needs to receive the kingdom of God now is your body, right? Like the temple's exterior that's why the gold is on the inside. The temple's exterior is the only thing that needs to receive the kingdom. The kingdom's already this gold on the inside. And so we are still receiving the kingdom through righteousness. Just like when you, before you were saved. You received the kingdom by receiving righteousness. Through righteousness. For a believer, though, it's internal, and you're receiving the kingdom flowing out of you to your body through righteousness. But it's still the same kingdom and righteousness concept there, okay? Um, also, last week, I won't bring you to these verses, but Psalms 23 even talks about righteousness as a path, right? Psalms 118 talks about righteousness as a gate. And um, if I were to bring you, it, it, it would take too long to explain, but John 10 calls righteousness a door as well, all right, in John 10. I know that that's talking about Jesus, but it's actually referring to Jesus as our righteousness in John 10, if I had more time to explain that. But righteousness is that the reason why it's called a gate or a path or a door is because it, it's, it's the thing you receive through, right? It's a qualification by which you're able to receive. Um, very important. Now, here is where we get into the more specific things we're talking about tonight. Righteousness is something every believer has, right? and evident from this sort of diagram that the temple is. Um, you've got the two doors, which means the, this believer here that we're looking at is righteous. They have the righteousness of God on the inside of them. They also have grace and truth on the inside of them as well. They got truth for their mind. They got grace and life, that showbread, for their body. So you would look at that and say, okay, if we receive through righteousness, every believer has righteousness, right? You wouldn't be a believer if you weren't righteous. There's no believer that's a sinner. Right? Um, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, having now been justified. So every believer is righteous. Every believer has the grace of God, the full life of God. 
and every believer has the truth of God living on the inside of us. So if, if we receive through righteousness, if righteousness is the qualification to receive, why isn't every, this is a very good question, right? Just for us to think about, why isn't the truth fully flowing in every believer's mind? Like the, to where your physical mind knows everything. Why isn't every believer's body fully made um, alive and healed and glorified? If we receive through righteousness and we've got the righteousness, I have truth already. I have this life on the inside of me already. So, so what's like, what kind of, what is the hold up here? You have the door to receive it. You have the means, you could say, which is righteousness, to receive the grace and truth that's on the, on the inside of your belly. So what's the hold up then? There is another factor here that is more than just saying, I have grace and truth inside of me, more than saying, I have the righteousness to receive it. I've got the candle, you could say, I have the candlesticks, I've got the bread, and I've got the door. So what, what exactly is the hold up here? Well, the Bible talks about, um, as much as it says that righteousness is a door, the Bible also says that knowledge is the key. Let me um, give you a verse that will sort of, this is the simplest verse, which is why I use it frequently, to explain a lot of things. Philemon 1.6, you guys have already heard this verse plenty, but we have to look at this verse. Um, again, it will simplify this principle for us. There's, there's context to this verse, but as usual, I want to hone in on just a few words here. There is four words here. This is effectual by the acknowledging. But Philemon 1.6, I'll read it to you. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. When he says the communication of your faith, I believe that's talking about love. But regardless, though, so let's just say he's talking about love here, and he's telling Philemon that love for other people will be made effectual um, by acknowledging every good thing that's in you. That principle, though, is so important, effectual by acknowledging. If you know, if you've been to this church for a while, you know that that's true. Um, 2 Peter 1 also says that grace and peace is multiplied. You can leave that verse up there, Philemon. But grace and peace is multiplied to us um, through the knowledge. Knowledge is how we receive from God. Getting to know Jesus. How are we transformed in our life? By God's sovereign will? No, the Bible says by the renewing of our mind. God is sovereign, but it's not how we get transformed. God has all authority, but it's not how you get transformed. You need to know the things Jesus provided to receive them. You need to renew your mind to get transformed. You need to acknowledge every good thing in you for them to become effectual. So, it's true that every believer has righteousness. That means you're qualified, you're good to go. You have the means to receive everything. You have the means in your life, the potential in your life to receive everything that Jesus has received to his body and into his mind. You've got all that. And you, you've got the grace and truth itself living right on the inside of you. But just because you have grace and truth in you, and just because you have the, the righteousness, the qualification to receive it, those doors, doesn't mean that those things are effectual. The only way to make this door, put this door to use, your qualification to use, the only way to put that grace and truth on the inside of you to use is through righteous, excuse me, is through knowledge. That's what happens when you're trying to do slides and preach at the same time. The only way to get this grace and truth um, effectual and start using the righteousness that you have as well is by knowing it. Knowledge is what makes everything effectual. Now, we're going to go into a lot of details tonight um, about how all this works, okay? And again, I want to stress this. You don't need to know every detail of everything to receive from God. You don't need to know every detail of everything um, to, to um, produce fruit in your life. You don't even, and you also don't need to know every detail of everything all at once. We're all learning and growing. So I'm going to explain the details, but ultimately, we're going to pretty much keep coming back to that, that everything is made effectual by acknowledging it. So great. You've got righteousness here, but the way that you use your righteousness and your qualification, you've got grace and truth, but the way that you use those things in life is through knowledge. Being righteous, in other words, having the door to these things, doesn't actually manifest anything in and of itself. It's true that righteousness is my qualification to receive. I receive everything through the righteousness of faith, like Abraham, but righteousness doesn't manifest anything. It's just a means, okay? 
That's all that it is. It's basically like having a door, but the door is closed. And the door is closed until you put the key in. Knowledge, and I'm going to give you verses for this right now. Knowledge is the key that opens the door. Knowledge is the key that makes the door effectual. Knowledge makes everything work, all right? Well, let's look at this verse here. Um, by the way, before we even go to this verse, I will just throw out at you that um, Romans 5, 1 through 2, also basically, if you were to read that on your own time, talks about how Jesus has made us righteous, and Jesus, who makes us righteous, is our access, right? Like, the righteousness he provides is our door, but it also says by faith, meaning there's also knowledge needed. Not just being righteous through Jesus, but also knowledge needed. Let, let me... Um, let me bring you, though, to Luke 11.52. Luke 11.52. Now, remember in Matthew 5.20, just a few verses ago, we were talking, and he says that um, you needed righteous, righteousness to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? He said that if, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom. So righteousness is the door to the kingdom. Righteousness is the door to the kingdom for us as well, but we're receiving the kingdom from in us, Right? So righteousness is the door. It's the qualification to, to access the kingdom. And Jesus said that in Matthew 5.20. But you'll also notice there's another element, Luke 11.52. It says, Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourself, and them that were entering in you hindered. Now, Berlandre, if you can bring us to Matthew 23.13. In the meantime, though, look at You have taken away the key of knowledge and you have entered not in, and you have hindered them that are entering. You've taken away the key of knowledge. This is the same passage, I believe, in just a different, uh, same account in just a different gospel here, but Matthew 23, 13. Matthew 23, 13 says, um, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you that, uh, them that are entering to go in. So in one account, he says, you took away the key of knowledge. In this account, he says, you shut up the kingdom of heaven. So put those two together. What, is the key, what, is, what does knowledge do? Knowledge is a key that unlocks the kingdom of heaven. Knowledge is, is, is a key to the door, you could say. And, and he says here, when, when they took away the key of knowledge, when they take away knowledge from people, let, let me sort of bring it to you in like an unsaved person's perspective. Jesus has provided righteousness and the kingdom to every person in this world. It's available to them. That door is available for any person who is the sheep of God, who's willing to listen, to walk through that door and receive the kingdom. Righteousness and the kingdom of God are provided to everybody. But if they don't know it, they can't use it. You see that? If they don't know that righteousness, a gift of righteousness is available to them, they can't use it and can't receive it. Just the same way that if you have a door but you don't have a key, you can't use it, Right? The key makes the um, door effectual. The key allows you to use the door. And there's a door provided to everyone in this world. There is a kingdom provided to everybody in this world. Why, do, why doesn't everybody receiving them? The door is there, meaning the access has been given. The way has been provided. Jesus said, I am the way, but only because he provides righteousness to people. Righteousness is the door, as we've been, we've been saying. And if righteousness and access and the kingdom has been provided to the whole world, they have a way to get in. Why aren't they using those things? Because knowledge is what allows us to use what Jesus provided. Despite the fact that righteousness has been provided to people, like he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, if you take away knowledge, it's like taking away the key to the door. It's there, but you'll never use it without the key. Knowledge, so I understand we're talking about keys and doors and all that stuff, but if we're putting it in simpler terms, what we're saying here is that Everything's made effectual or active in our lives by acknowledging it, right? Grace and peace is received to us by the knowledge, right? That's why the world doesn't receive a door and the kingdom behind that door, you could say, despite the fact that it's there, they don't use it. Why? Because when you take away the key of knowledge, you shut up and lock up the kingdom against men is what he's talking about here. So that's how it works for an unbeliever. But you can see here, because we've been establishing this, it works the same way for a believer, though, except the fact that we already have the kingdom inside of us, right? And we're already made righteous. It's not like the world where righteousness and the kingdom has just been sort of provided to them, but they don't receive it. We have the kingdom now. The Bible says that our spirits in particular, very, very interesting verse in Hebrews 12, 23, 
that our spirits have already come to Mount Zion. That actually means has already entered heaven. That's why this is gold lined on the inside. This is your spirit on the inside. That's why it's a gold line inside here. Your spirit's already entered the kingdom of heaven. So your spirit doesn't need to enter heaven anymore. It's already heavenly. It's righteous. It's got grace. It's got truth. It's perfect inside. But it's your body. It's your body right now and your physical mind that are accessing these things, right? So if your body wants to enter the kingdom that, you, that he's put in you, if your body wants to receive of the kingdom that he's put in you, it's the same process. You receive the kingdom through righteousness. That's what qualifies you for the kingdom. But just like the world can't receive that righteousness or that kingdom unless they know it. So even as a believer, righteousness is here. The kingdom is here. But you won't use it unless you know it. This is why believers, so many believers, every single believer is walking around with the kingdom of God on the inside of them. Every believer is walking around, or walking around righteous and able to receive, qualified to receive. They have access into these things. Like, there's no hindrances here. And yet, so many believers don't receive so much of what they've been given. Now, every believer does receive to some extent, because we all know the Lord to some extent. But why is it that believers that you've got the access, you've got the door, you've got all grace and truth living on the inside, you don't access it very much? Because so many believers don't know what they have. Believers are still walking around saying everybody dies. Sometimes, you know, many believers today do believe in healing, but sometimes it ranges from God can heal or, you know what, um, uh, God, God's will is to heal, but we don't know why so-and-so got sick. I'm not sure why. Like, almost like there's some other, um, like there are exceptions to the rule when it comes to healing. You see, when, when, when the, the church's knowledge is like that, um, when the church believes you know, maybe, yeah, I believe sort of in the resurrection of the dead. The dead can be raised, but, you know, it's kind of like they, they sort of perceive it as like a special occasion thing. Or I've even heard people say that will go as far. Probably the furthest that I've heard someone go with the resurrection of the dead is they do believe in the resurrection of the dead, but you just can't be dead for too long. If you're dead too long, then it's almost like it, 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 it expires and it, it, it ran out now. Um, and it's even evident from the fact that believers will pray for someone, pray for someone, pray for someone, and then if they die, they stop praying. Like, the fact that someone died is any different than the fact that they were sick. It's the same stuff from Adam. It doesn't matter whether someone's been dead for, you know, 50 years or whether they're just sick now and still living. Um, it's the same stuff from Adam, same curse of Adam that Jesus broke. And so anyway, my point is, when the knowledge of the church, or let me give you one, one more example. When it comes to truth, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. How many times is that not, is that not said in the church? Um, things also like, um, uh, when, it, when it comes to knowledge, that, you know, people will talk about the mystery of God. Like, that's a current thing. Like, that's a New Testament thing, the mystery of God. Man, you know, God, you know, and people would say, you know, I don't want a God that I can figure out, you know. If I could figure God out, you know, his, his, his thoughts are just, you know, so beyond ours. When the church talks like this, you know what that means? You don't know what you have. You've got all truth there. There are your candlesticks. It's just sitting there. You're righteous to receive it. You're righteous to receive that candlestick. Boom, it can enter right there. Um, you've got the life there to raise the dead. You've got the life to heal the sick. You've got the life to walk around healed and to be, uh, to, to, to be forever youthful, to never die, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You've got all this awesome stuff, but guess what? There's so much of the church doesn't know. You know what happens when you're righteous, which means you have the door to it, and you've got grace and truth living on the inside of you, but you don't know it? It looks like that. Closed doors. You could receive it at any time you want. Anytime you want to get to know it, I should say. It's not up to God's will. He already gave it to you. He's willing to teach you about these things, but when you don't know these things, the, um, the doors remain unused. The doors remain closed, just like a door would remain unused if you didn't have the key. So righteousness remains closed up. The kingdom of God remains sealed up when you don't have the key of knowledge. Knowledge is what makes righteousness effectual. Just like a key makes a door effectual, um, excuse me, uh, uh, knowledge makes righteousness effectual, allows us to use our rights in Christ. That's what knowledge does, getting to know these things. And God wants us to get to know these things. Let me give you some, some further um, stuff here. Uh, so Song of Solomon 110, excuse me, before we go there, 1 Kings 6.21, 1 Kings 6.21, and then we'll go to Song of Solomon. 1 Kings 
there's something very interesting about these doors. So this is the door to the mine. The mine is over here, and this is the porch over here where the pillars are. All right? Now, if you were to look just behind this door, you would see this. That door is just behind this veil. You see these chains here? It says in 1 Kings 6.21 that Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold, and he made a partition. This would here, this wall here would be the partition by the chains of gold before the oracle. So this is what he's calling the oracle or the conversation place. But he says that he made chains of gold here. So you notice that there's a door. There's a door there, but there's also chains near the door, right? Almost like what? Almost like a locked door, right? To, to further, go to Song of Solomon 110, to further prove the location of these chains here, because Song of Solomon is about Solomon or Jesus speaking to his temple, Song of Solomon 110 actually says that your cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, your neck with chains of gold. If you were to actually look at where these chains are, these chains are right here. Remember, these are the eyes, this is the head of the temple. Where would that be about? about like I'm saying anatomically speaking, would be around where the neck is, right? And Song of Solomon says that the bride, the temple, has chains of gold around her neck. Furthermore, Song of Solomon 4.9, um, it says, um, You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one of your eyes and with one chain of your neck. Right? So interesting, even Song of Solomon confirmed the location of the chains here, right? So, so that's one thing. So let's throw these up there again. Uh, and uh, let's also now look at 2 Chronicles 3.16. So there's chains by this door. And now if we come over to this area here by the, the front door where there's uh, the pillars there, the pillars with the, um, with the fountains representing the manifestation coming forth from the front door, the showbread, you could say, the life of God manifesting forth from the front door and the fountains proceeding forth from our belly, what you actually see is that is he made chains as in the oracle. In other words, he made chains, and he ties that to the chains that were over here in the so-called oracle, in the conversation place. He's, he made chains here just like he had chains over here. Um, he put them on the heads of the pillars. And so that's why you actually see there's seven chains. I put chains like this. You know, it doesn't say exactly what position the chains were in or anything like that, so I kind of made a zigzag there. But there are chains, and what does that look like? It looks like a fountain, right? A fountain that would proceed forth from our belly, and it looks like lilies here, which is uh, like our body is called a garden for the Lord, like, like sprouting out, right? Manifestation, beauty, sprouting out, as we've said in, in the past. But look, it's locked, though. It's locked, though. It's got chains. The same way, and just so you know, as, you, as we, I stated before, these are flanking the door. So there's chains by this door, and there's chains by the other door as well. So you've got chains by both doors. Now, as I said this uh, several messages ago, quite a few messages ago, the chains here don't mean that it's inaccessible. The chains mean that these things, these doors, are they need to be unlocked. What, what, what does that mean? It means that righteousness doesn't cause you to receive. It just qualifies you to receive. Okay? Righteousness doesn't mean you automatically manifest the things of God because every believer is righteous, but most believers don't know how righteous they are. So what happens? They don't use the qualification um, by which they've been qualified, and they don't receive the things that they're qualified for because it's knowledge that unlocks everything and makes it all work. You see, the chains here, these chains on, above the door here, or you know, wherever they were, they're generally around this area, um, but these chains that are hung by this door here don't represent that you can't receive the truth of God into your mind. It just simply means that you have to acknowledge the truth of God on the inside of you and acknowledge him as your understanding before he's able to make your path straight. Okay? You need to acknowledge him in all of your ways before he can, he can guide you, make your path straight, make things clear to you. You need to acknowledge the candlesticks in you and acknowledge the door through which you can receive that in order to get that light flowing. The chains just simply mean that it's not automatic. That's why. But the thing is, these are answers that Christians don't have. They know it's God's will to do this or know it's God's will to do that, but it's not enough to just say that I know it's God's will. Because so many Christians kind of like they have this thing in their mind. They see everything that Jesus did for them and how he died and took their suffering, and then they can't rectify that or they can't reconcile that with what they see in their life or other people's life. Why did so-and-so die? Why did this happen in my life? Why am I going through this? They, they, don't, they think like if God wants it to happen, it should just automatically happen, but that's not how it works. You need to unlock the kingdom, okay? The kingdom needs to get unlocked by what? Not by your work, 
not by trying hard enough, not by fasting enough. It's simply by knowing it. How did you get saved? There was righteousness available since Jesus died, okay? And people were actually receiving a form of that righteousness even before he died. The kingdom has been provided since Jesus died. Obviously supplied by the Spirit in Acts 2, but it's been paid for since Jesus died. And yet, when you, we were all of us walking around this earth not receiving anything from God for a while. Unless you were receiving it, mooching off some other believer's benefits, right? You didn't have anything for yourself. You were alienated from the life of God. Why were you alienated from the life of God even though it was provided? Why were you alienated and separated from this gift of righteousness even though it was provided? Because of the ignorance that was in you. You didn't know. Because even though you had a door and a kingdom provided to you, you had access to that kingdom through that door, you didn't know about it. So it's like having a door without a key. You couldn't use what was already given. Okay? And the second you understood... Again, there was no work involved with this. It wasn't hard. It wasn't laborious. The commandments of God aren't burdensome. Faith isn't burdensome. You were probably sitting somewhere or talking to a friend who was telling you about Jesus or whatever it was, or you were just thinking about something that someone said, and, and you something clicked in your mind, and you knew, man, I understand what Jesus did. In some form, right, you understood the kingdom in some way. Not that you understood it all, but you understood the kingdom in some way. You understood righteousness in some way. And all of a sudden, that kingdom and the door to that kingdom in that instant, even though it was always there, was made effectual to you. You used the righteousness he gave like a, like a key in a door. You said, okay, now I'm going to use it by knowing it because knowledge is the key. Now I'm going to use that righteousness, and I'm going to receive that kingdom, and now it came and live on the inside of you. And the same thing for believers. For a believer, these, um, these doors here, we have all this stuff. But righteousness will remain inutile, if that's the right way to pronounce it, in you until it's recognized. Because all things are made effectual by acknowledging. That's why God wants you to acknowledge every, every good thing that is in you. Why? Because it's by acknowledging every good thing that you can make it effectual. Do you know why it's so awesome and important that you're here tonight and that you guys consistently come to this church? You know why? Um, and just why you consistently hear the gospel in general is because when God speaks to you things about, about healing, about truth, about wisdom, about youth, about the resurrection of the dead, when he speaks to you about uh, prospering, when he speaks to you about power to wealth, when he speaks to you about these various different things, um, he's telling you these things, not just so that you have the information, he's giving you a key to unlock those things. Every time God gives you a revelation of something and speaks to you about something, he's trying to make that thing effectual from in your belly. So when God says, you know, I'm going to show you about the gift of righteousness. He's trying to tell you, hey, you've got this means. I want to get this going, make it effectual for you. And likewise with anything else that he shows you that's on the inside of you. Um, again, the reason why there's chains on these doors is because these doors will remain locked until they are acknowledged. Um, man, I am running out of time pretty quickly here. So let me, let's very quickly run to Song of Solomon 4.12 because I want to get to sort of like the, the, the punchline here because I'm just sort of leading up to it. So, Song of Solomon 4.12, this is again Solomon uh, speaking to his bride, to his temple, and he even, just to confirm this whole chain concept that it's referring to this door being locked, the manifestation of grace and truth therefore being locked until these things are acknowledged, this is a, gr a garden enclosed. What do you see? Lilies chained up and with this lattice here. Chained a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. What do you see? A fountain chained up, sealed, right? Because we need knowledge to unlock it. But you'll see here in a second. Let's skip for the sake of time to verse 15. A fountain of gardens. What do you see? A fountain of gardens. The lilies there and the fountain. And it says, um, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come thou south and blow upon my garden that the spices thereof may flow out. Um, there, there's some things about the north wind there and stuff that I don't really understand right now, but he's basically, uh, she's basically saying that she wants these things to flow out. But you can see these things are, are there, the potential is there, the doors are there to receive, but again, they need to be unlocked because it's a garden enclosed or a fountain sealed. Um, man, one more verse, and then I, I want to show you, I want to get into some details here. All right. So one more verse that I will just sort of throw out at you um, quickly, is to go back to this picture here. 
you've got the kingdom here, right? The grace, the truth, truth good for your mind, the life, the grace good for your body, and you've got the righteousness. But this is why the Bible says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Because you can have his kingdom, and you can have the righteousness to be able to receive it. But if you don't seek it, you won't use it, right? Like a door without a key. You, if you don't seek it, you won't use it. That's why he's saying seek these things. That's what we're doing at this church, right? We're getting to know these things. We're seeking the knowledge of these things because a kingdom and righteousness by itself, a kingdom and a door by itself is not in utilization unless you know it, okay? Knowledge unlocks the door and therefore what's beyond it. All right. So let me show you this too. Here's where I'm going to get so kind of in the nitty-gritty here of, of, of how um, sort of this stuff works, all right? Uh, and again, if, if we got new people or whatever, and it's not fully followed, that, that's okay. Um, but so here, here's how this works, though. All right, knowing that all this is true, knowledge unlocks the door, knowledge makes these things effectual. So let's, let's, let's give a scenario, all right? I had to go through this explanation in my head even uh, yesterday because I wanted to make sure everything came out clearly, Okay. So, let's say you want to receive, um, let's see, healing or some kind of youth or some kind of uh, power to your body, right? That would, be, that would be the showbread, right? That would be the life. And so, you want to receive this out through, through that door. Um, what do you need to make that showbread active on the inside of you? What do you need to make the life of God active on the inside of you? What we've been saying is you need knowledge of it, right? You need knowledge of both the life on the inside of you, and the righteousness through which to receive it. If you want to receive healing, that's what you need to know. You need to know about its presence on the inside of you and also that you're righteous to be able to receive it. Because, for instance, if you, if you know you're righteous but you don't know about the life on the inside of you, that's not going to produce healing. Also, as a predicament that I was in a while ago, is I knew about healing on the inside of me, but I had uh, wrong thinking about righteousness, and that also hindered my receiving. The Lord actually told me the reason why I wasn't being healed in the, this particular area is because um, he used the word, I've told you guys the story before, he used the word chalice to me and uh, basically kind of brought my mind to um, his blood for the forgiveness of sins. I didn't believe stuff, kind of some wonky teaching in my head about righteousness. So even though I knew about the life of God, I, I wasn't aware of righteousness. So it's kind of like, you know, I was, I was hindering the showbread from, from leaving. I was hindering that life from flowing out because I wasn't feeling qualified to receive it. I was taught that um, every time that I sinned, I allowed myself, um, I, I made myself vulnerable to the devil. So anytime I would sin, if I got sick or something near around a time I could remember sinning, I just sort of chalked it up to, well, you know, I made myself vulnerable to the devil, and that's why it's happening, not realizing um, things about righteousness. Anyway, I won't go into more specifics, but um, I thought my sin was hindering my receiving, and so you need to receive, you need to, Know the life of God on the inside of you and the door through which to receive it. But, all right, now, now stay with me on this. So we just said, in order to make that bread effective, in order to open this door here, to unlock this door to the showbread, you need to understand those things, right? You need to understand it. All right, we're going to work our way backwards now through this. Now, if you need knowledge of these things, what are these candles here for, these candlesticks here? The candlesticks are there, we went through in the past, to show the bread. It actually says they were there to give light over against it, to reveal the bread. So this, the candlesticks represent the, the truth of God, the knowledge of God on the inside of us, the mind of Christ on the inside of us. So if you really want to know the bread, to unlock the, the show bread door, you could say, if you want to unlock this door, then you need knowledge, right? You need knowledge of the showbread and of this righteousness. And if you need knowledge, well, that's what the truth of God's on the inside of you for, right? To, to, to show, to give you that knowledge so that this door can be unlocked. So then, really, what is it first that you really need to be made effectual? The bread or the candlestick? You need the candlestick, really, to be effectual first. So really, you need to open this door first to your mind, okay? And again, if, if someone's not following at some point, that's okay, but I, I hope you are. The candlesticks is, that represents the knowledge of the showbread. So if you want the showbread to be made active and sort of unlock this door with knowledge, what you need first is you need to acknowledge the truth of God on the inside of you. When you acknowledge the truth, 
You see, if you acknowledge the truth first, if you recognize and if you're aware of the truth of God on the inside of you, that will unlock this door because everything's made effectual through knowledge. Knowledge is the key to the door. So specifically, if you are acknowledging the truth inside of you, that will make the truth effectual, right? If you acknowledge the Lord as your shepherd, as the mind of Christ on the inside of you, even let's just say you're spending time with the Lord and you're not hearing anything, and you acknowledge the, Lord, you acknowledge the truth on the inside of you. You acknowledge the Lord as your understanding, as Proverbs says, right? You acknowledge him. You don't lean on your own understanding, but you're going to acknowledge him as your understanding is what's insinuated there. You're going to acknowledge him in all of your ways. That word acknowledge literally means to know. You're going to know him as your understanding. And what happens when you know that the Lord is your understanding? Well, if, if things are made effectual by knowledge, and I know that the Lord is my understanding, what's going to be made effectual? That knowledge. That's, if you want to hear from God, you need to acknowledge the Lord as your understanding. It's like acknowledging that candlestick, and you've unlocked the door to the candlesticks. When you, when you acknowledge the candlesticks, and of course the righteousness through which you receive it, you acknowledge these things, it'll open that door. And here's sort of the process of what happens. The first thing, I believe this is sound, okay, what I'm about to tell you right now. This is why I say that the first thing that you need to acknowledge is you need to acknowledge the Lord is your truth. Because that sort of gets the ball rolling for everything else. When you acknowledge the truth of God on the inside of you, that unlocks this door. The key of knowledge um, unlocks the, the sort of the truth door. This entrance here in the book of Psalms is called the entrance of his word. In Psalm 119, we read a while ago, the entrance of your word gives light, is what it says. The doorway of your word gives light. You have a door through which to receive the word of God. And when you acknowledge the word of God and that you're qualified to receive it, it's like unlocking a door to the truth. And this door, remember, is like kind of right here on the temple. So it's like unlocking the door. When you acknowledge that truth on the inside of you and say, Lord, I'm qualified to receive that truth. You're my understanding. You're unlocking a door for that truth to come up into your mind because everything is made effectual by acknowledging it. So we acknowledge the truth first. That makes the truth effectual. But check this out. So stay with me. If you acknowledge the truth, and the truth is made effectual, coming into your mind, that truth is now able to do what? To reveal further truth to you. It's able to reveal the truth of that bread. That's what the candlesticks are there for. So you acknowledge the truth first. That gets that going, makes that effectual. And this Truth now is able to come into your mind and tell you all about the showbread you have on the inside of you, because you know that's why the candlesticks are there. That's why the truth of God is there, to show you all the, all the rest of the inheritance that you have in Christ. So the candlesticks are able to flow into your mind and starts telling you, hey, you've got this showbread, you've got the life of God on the inside of you. So you acknowledge the Lord as your truth, made that effectual, and that truth is now effectual going on in your mind and starts showing you all the, the life and the youth and the healing and all the stuff you've got on the inside of you. And in turn, what happens is, now you've got knowledge of the bread, so now the bread can flow out. You see how that works? The truth comes into your mind first, and when the truth comes into your mind, it gives you knowledge of the bread, so the bread can flow out. Everything's made effectual by acknowledging it. But that's why I say that, I believe it's sound to say you acknowledge the Lord as your truth first. Get the truth going. Once the truth is going, it instills you, you could say, with the, with the key to unlock the showbread door. Uh, there is so much background to this, so I know that for a lot of people that are kind of just hearing this for the, for the first time, this may seem like I'm, uh, I'm sort of saying, uh, giving a lot of information with not a whole lot of background, but again, that's kind of what the Chase Me series is for. It delves into this stuff more. But that is sort of the process of how you're receiving from God works. The candlesticks come into your mind through acknowledgement, they reveal the showbread, which then makes the showbread active and effectual and opens that door there. Um, here, here is sort of a, a dilemma, okay, to take this another layer deeper. Here's a dilemma that I saw with this sort of scenario, okay? So let's, let's lock everything up again. All right? Let's lock it all up. Now, you're never really in this scenario. No believer is ever in the scenario where the doors are just fully locked up because every believer knows what they have in Christ to some extent, right? So those doors are at least a crack open for, I would say, more than a crack open, even for a new believer, okay? You, the Holy Spirit's always flowing. Um, but let's just, for, for, for right now, for example, let's just say this is locked up right now. New believer, let's just close the doors here. Um, they don't, let's just say they don't know much about what they've got in Christ. 
here was my, my thing, all right? And this is where, again, it would get a little sort of tedious here. My question was, okay, everything's made effectual by knowledge. All right, good. So then, even the knowledge I have on the inside of me is made effectual by knowledge? I'm not sure if you see where that question would come from. But, so I have to know the knowledge that's in me to make the knowledge effectual. So I receive knowledge by knowledge, right? And, 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 and that is actually true. And there are verses that say that, actually. Everything's made effectual by knowledge. If you want to receive the voice of God to speak into your heart, you have to acknowledge the voice of God inside of you. Acknowledge that knowledge inside of you. If you look at it very quickly, James chapter 1, James chapter 1 actually says that if you lack wisdom, I'll give you a summary of it. It's James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. But it says if you lack wisdom, you'll know this verse. If you lack wisdom, you can ask God, but ask in faith. All right? If you lack wisdom, make sure you ask in faith. What's faith? If you've been to the church for a while, you know that faith is just a kind of knowledge, a knowledge of the unseen. All right? So literally, he says if you lack knowledge, make sure you ask in knowledge. You receive knowledge by knowledge. You receive knowledge by knowing the knowledge. The same way that if you, if you want to receive um, uh, life, you receive it by knowing that life. If you want to receive knowledge, you receive it by knowing that knowledge. Um, there's, an, there's another verse here um, that, uh, well, actually, this is the one I already basically gave you, was uh, Proverbs 3.5. Proverbs 3.5 basically says the same thing. If you kind of meditate on this for a little bit, he says the same thing. That he says that if you want God to make your path straight, um, with some time, I could show you that that means to make something clear to you. If you want God to make something clear to you in your mind, you receive that clarity, that knowledge, by knowing him. <laughs> so so look, look, look at this. He says, in all of your ways, right? But, sorry, in verse 5. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So he's not saying to not lean on an understanding. He's just saying don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. If you were to read this in like Young's literal, it'll say, in all your ways, know thou him. That word acknowledge means to know. It's, it's knowledge. But know him in what way? As your understanding, right? As opposed to your own. So he's saying you have to know the knowledge. You have to know the understanding of the Lord that you have in order to receive it. And once you know the knowledge, then that knowledge will be made effectual. Once you know that knowledge, he says, then he'll make your path straight. You have to acknowledge the Lord as your understanding to get that understanding, right? So that kind of makes sense. The, the, kind of what I'm trying to show here is this, this, this sort of dilemma in my mind. And like I said, I'm bringing you through the details. Um, a lot of people aren't into the details of the gospel, but this is important stuff. It leads to... to to receiving and other conclusions in your life and clarity so that you can receive from God properly. So this is actually how it works. And that Philemon 1.6 verse just makes it so simple. That principle of effectual by acknowledging helped me so much because I was very confused about that. Hold on, I received knowledge by knowing it? That almost doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I have to have knowledge in order to receive knowledge, right? So we've seen that that's true. Even James says it, right? If you need wisdom, ask in, in, in faith. If you need that wisdom or knowledge, you need to have faith, which is knowledge. I, I, I need to know the knowledge in me to get that knowledge out of me, right? So, so that is how it works, right? That, that, is, that is something I'm sure of. And then this led me to the next question, right? <laughs> Let's go another layer deeper. Watch. I got knowledge inside of me. If the only way to get knowledge manifested is to know it, that's what unlocks it. If I have to know the knowledge on the inside of me to unlock it, and it's going to stay locked until I know it, how did I get that initial knowledge? Okay, I, I don't know if, if you're following that, right? If I'm a new believer, say, let's, let's just give a th theoretical scenario. I've got knowledge in me, but I don't know it's there. How do I even get the initial knowledge of the knowledge in me to unlock it? You see what I'm saying? If I need to get now, it's almost like um, priming a water pump, right? You, you, the way with, with a water pump, if you guys don't know, like, like the old-fashioned one, right, is like you put water in the water pump to prime it. That's why it's called priming the pump. You put water in it to get more water, to get more water. And that's exactly the way it is with knowledge. You need initial knowledge of the knowledge inside of you to get more knowledge. You need water to prime the pump to get the rest of the water out. And 
this is why, again, I know this is very tedious, but it's also very important, right? So this is why a couple messages ago I shared with you guys uh, 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 the message, the subtitle was called The Two Fillings. You guys remember that? In that message, I explained to you that in um, the account of the temple, the way the temple receives knowledge initially is the way we all received knowledge initially was through a preacher. You remember that? How will they hear without a preacher? Before you're saved, you can't know God for yourself. You need someone who is saved to put that knowledge in you. Because you got no, this is, this is not how it looks like in, on the inside of you when you're not saved yet, when, you're, when, you haven't, when you haven't received Jesus yet. So you have no knowledge of yourself to receive, nor any righteousness to receive it through. This is just empty. Okay? Now, so when you first get saved, you need to, a preacher, someone who already is saved, who knows Jesus, to instill you with that knowledge from the outside in. So here's actually the important thing, the reason why I had to go over that with you, is because yeah, actually, because in, in the account, you know how the priests, the priests are the ones that brought in sort of the gospel into the heart of the temple, if you listen to that message initially. The reason why that's important is because that answers my question. How is it that if I've got knowledge locked up on the inside of me, how is it that, uh, like, where do I get the initial knowledge to know the knowledge inside of me to unlock it? And that's because every Christian always has a bit of knowledge of Jesus, quite a bit of knowledge of Jesus, right? But you had to receive that through a preacher, right? So the preacher puts knowledge on the inside of you. Every single Christian has some, to some degree or another, knowledge of righteousness. They may not call it that. They may call it different things. You have to know that to some extent, right? And to some extent, has knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, when, when you get saved, you have some knowledge of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you in some kind of way him as your teacher in some kind of way, some semblance of that. You are aware of the Lord there, otherwise you wouldn't be saved. But you had to get that knowledge, your sort of like starter package knowledge from a preacher. Preacher preaches to you, puts knowledge in you, that's the knowledge that saved you. Now the kingdom comes on the inside of you. Grace and truth, righteousness comes on the inside of you. Now you've already got starter knowledge by which you can acknowledge that, those candlesticks. You got starter knowledge, boom, you can acknowledge that. And then, as the Lord shows you more through your own knowledge now, of course, then you can receive the inheritance by that knowledge. That is actually the process of how it works. Um, you could say, from a preacher, you get the initial water to prime the pump. Every Christian has some kind of knowledge to prime the pump there. You acknowledge a truth on the inside of you. That truth springs up on the inside of you, gives you more knowledge, further knowledge of all the inheritance you have on the inside of you. And as that knowledge pours into your mind, because everything is made effectual by knowledge, all the inheritance is able to flow out, give healing to your body, etc. So, um, again, there is, th that is sort of a mouthful of, of details, and, and I think that's a good word for everything I just shared with you, is details. Um, they're not unimportant, because the Lord wouldn't put this in Scripture if it was unimportant. But I just will, before I sort of let you go, though, I do just want to... to to bring this back home, though, and just to simplify everything, and just say, you know what, there's a lot of details we can look at. The Lord has showed me this. The Lord's taken very, very many years, very, very many years to show me the things I'm sharing with you now. It took me um, probably just this one truth here. I started thinking about this probably somewhere around 2015, maybe somewhere around there, and just in the recent maybe year or two, probably a couple years, I was able to explain this, so um, stay with the Lord, but just to, to, to simplify these things, just know that you've got righteousness inside of you and the inheritance, but everything is made effectual by acknowledging. And that's why I've repeated that so many times in the message, because I just want to keep bringing it back to that simplicity of what all these things mean. Uh, we can talk about r knowledge being the key um, to righteousness. Knowledge is what opens up and makes effectual the door. Um, to receive the inheritance behind it and all that kind of stuff and all the symbols. But um, ultimately, everything that I mean to say tonight is that this is why it's so important for the Lord to teach us everything we have in Christ. Because if you want the voice of God to be more prevalent in your life, you know what? Uh, as you go through your day, again, the Lord will remind you of these things. Begin to acknowledge the Lord as your truth. Acknowledge the Lord as your shepherd. Um, this is something that I would just sort of, I'm not trying to make a formula out of it. Well, I guess it sort of is a formula. 
This is even, if, if I'm starting my time out with the Lord and I don't feel I'm hearing anything specific with the Lord, um, unless I have something already in my mind to pray, um, or I'm praying, you know, in other tongues or something like that, however that works, but um, if I don't, I'll just start acknowledging the Lord as my shepherd, thanking the Lord for being my shepherd. When I'm up here and giving a word of prophecy, that's what I do very frequently. I acknowledge the Lord as my truth. And you know why? Because, again, I know. If I can just get that truth get flown in my mind, any particular part of the inheritance that um, needs to be effectual, if I just get the truth flowing into my mind, he'll start showing me different things. And uh, that will make each one of those pieces of the grace of God effectual if I just get the truth going. The truth is the first thing you get going that gets everything else going, right? Because the truth gives you the knowledge, gives you the key to unlock everything else, right? We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world. If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.